Welcome to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show Podcast from Real Country 92.1 Hank FM. Brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito. Recorded live every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers in Alito. And now with Alito Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones, the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Longquist. This one will be a keeper by Haas. Any room to run gets outside the 5 into the end zone. Touchdown Alito Bearcats. Eight-yard touchdown run with a flag coming in. And the Bearcats at that point were stretching their lead out to Shoemaker out of Colleen by a count of 14 to nothing en route to a 27-6 victory in their Class 5A Region 1 area, Region 1 by district playoff game uh, over the Shoemaker Gray Wolves. And so the Bearcats moving on to play the Lubbock Cooper Pirates this coming Friday over in Wichita Falls and Memorial Stadium. So Bearcats moving on at 11-0. Hi, everybody. Kevin Longquist welcoming you to the Jakes on 1187 here in Alito as we continue the weekly podcast show with all the Alito coaches. I'm going to remind you, too, that you can always download this podcast on 92.1 Hank FM or wherever you get your podcast. We get hundreds of downloads for this podcast every single week, so be sure and get the word out to all of your friends and everybody else who's connected with the Alito Athletic Events uh, about this podcast. Again, we're going to be going for as long as possibly the entire whole athletic calendar but again we'll just make your plans to uh, be a part of this second segment of our podcast will be joined by running back slash wide receiver hawk daniels and then defensive back avon lawrence and then we'll have a special third segment because the basketball season is underway for both the boys and girls teams we're going to have girls head coach nikki hiles and boys head coach jd robinson with us this this evening in this uh, podcast okay coach let's review 27 to 6 over shoemaker and I think the, maybe the most impressive of all the streaks that you all have ever had, and we go back to the National District uh, winning streak now at 119 and the 11 state championships, but to win a bi-district playoff game for 28 consecutive years, I don't even know if I've heard of anything like that because you're de- bound to run into that time of period, run into a team that might be maybe a little bit better than you or maybe a break goes against you or something like that, but to do that like you all have done over these years is just I can't even put words to it. Right. We probably have run into one of those, and we were able to overcome those. You know, uh, we overcame this one. You know, uh, we didn't play our best football game. Uh, It's evident with all the turnovers. You know, the ball was on the ground so much in the first quarter. I I can't even count how many times it was on the ground. Yeah. Uh, You know, so we overcame a lot uh, the other night. So let's talk about that. I mean, because, well, before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, though, I thought the one thing in this ball game, though, was kind of like a – carbon copy of last year's where the fronts really told the story of this game your offensive line was able to dominate at the point of the attack as well as your defensive front dictating to them to where you know ty wade their starting quarterback sophomore mate that he is but just really kind of influenced on how this game was going to be played did you feel the same way yeah that was exactly we knew that was the key in this game they had uh, very talented uh, skilled kids but we felt like we had a really big advantage on up front, offense, and defensive line-wise. Skill-wise, what did you think of Shoemaker? Because they have just as good a skill as anybody we've played. You know, they're, they're a very talented football team. You know, they're not a typical fourth-place team out of a district. You know, they, they had chances uh, to be a, a first, second, or third seed. You know, uh, they just came up short in a couple of games. And, you know, if you looked at all the power rankings that, you know, are out there for high school football, most of the – power rankings have them above everybody else in their district even though they were the fourth place team yeah they were as we were talking about last week they were the number one offensive team in that district also the number one defensive team 
in that district. So statistics being what they are, but I mean, yeah. that still is going to stand out and say something. Right, you know, and, and we knew that going in. We knew they were a very talented football team, uh, and it wasn't going to be just a cakewalk. All right, so going back to where this thing kind of got off to the goofy start, where you all had, I think it was five fumbles in the first half or whatever it was, and then three in the first two and a half minutes, you lose two of those fumbles. And But I think the, the telling part of this is going back to the defensive front, because on your first loss fumble at their 46, you force a three and out. Then on your second unfortunate fumble, you get a pick from Chris Johnson that returns it back to your 35, and then you guys take it down and score. I think that was probably the window where I'm sure Shoemaker felt like this was our chance to make this very interesting and put a lot of pressure on you guys. And the way you guys responded in those two moments really kind of told the story. Right. It showed you know our defense stepping up and making plays. Our defense stepped up. You know, we, we gave them opportunities to, to take an early lead on us, you know, to make this a real tough football game, you know, but our defense, you know, came out, you know, firing on all cylinders and, and put a stop to any of that. I think maybe the most important piece of equipment, too, for you, well, not maybe so much like the shoulder pads or or whatever, or the hip guards or whatever, or the, or the shoes, but maybe the medical scissors cutting off the sleeves on those to get it because that was contributed to what your issues were holding on to the football. Right. You know, some of the guys had on the long sleeve, you know, and the code gear long sleeve stuff is not made really for football because it's slick on the outside. So some of those guys had some of that stuff on and they realized that that was contributing to the ball slipping out of their hands. And so they went over to the sideline and they just cut their sleeves off. And I know you'd mentioned in the post game or at halftime that a couple of them were punched out by their defensive. And that's a team that has forced a lot of turnovers uh, during the course of the year. But what kind of adjustment did you all kind of recognize? Because that really wasn't an issue. I know you all have the two turnovers late, but those were kind of inconsequential. Right. You know, we, we focused on keeping the ball in tight. You know, once that ball gets out there wide, they have a chance to, to go after it and punch that ball out. So we made sure that, that we were holding on to the ball a little bit tighter, you know, not getting the ball out away from our body, those types of things. I want to go back real quickly to your defensive performance. And as we mentioned a few moments ago, Shoemaker, you know, led this district averaging more than 500 yards per game. You hold them to 143. That's below even one-third of what they were averaging. Even... Did that even impress you or stun you on how well you were able to shut them down like you did? I mean, it's very impressive, but, you know, it was something that we kind of expected. You know, they were coming into the game, you know, on a high of scoring 75 points or whatever it was against Granberry. But, you know, we, we came into it with the fact that we're a little bit better defensively than what Granberry is. And last year, they had kind of the same deal. They had come in scoring over 60 points, you know, in the previous game, and our defense shut them out. So it wasn't a shock to me that our defense was able to do that. But, you know, I was very pleased with how our defense played. Two individual performances that I want to focus in on. And we've started to see this over the last couple of weeks with Caden Finley. He was your leading receiver in each of these last two games. But I'm starting to see a much more physical style of ball from him in these last two games between Brewer and Shoemaker. What are you seeing? Right, you know, and he got called for a holding that the officials told me after halftime that, you know, Everyone else felt like it wasn't holding. Now, you know, I, I told him there's a, a difference. You know, when the flag came out and I saw what it was, I said, he just whipped that guy. I said, there's a difference between holding and whipping somebody. Mm -hmm. He whipped that guy's tail, and you can't call him for holding on that. And some of the other officials agreed with me. I said, well, why don't you go tell that guy, you know, and pick that flag <laughs> up and, and wave it off. But he, he's gotten a couple of those this year, and you go back and watch it, and he's blocking perfectly. He's just physically stronger than the cornerback in which he's blocking. You know, so it, it is a, a situation where, you know, he's a bigger physical body out there going against those cornerbacks. And sometimes, like, 
maybe those officials feel sorry for him. I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, because, you know, when he was on this show a couple weeks ago, he talked about the fact that how much he enjoys blocking. You don't hear a lot of receivers talk like that, but for him to say something, you know, volunteering that is kind of interesting. Yeah, and, and you know, and when he gets his hands on, you know, they go backwards, and, and that's where, you know, he's gotten some of those penalties. But, you know, he, he's been hurt, you know, throughout the year. You know, he had the ankle injury uh, in the guy game that kept him out for a while. Uh, and then he had the quad issue that, that kept him from uh, being able to contribute as much as we would like for him to. And now he, he's pretty much healthy right now, so that's why you're seeing, you know, more production out of him, you know, because he, he's healthy and we can get the ball to him. And then he's also being very physical. And I was going to ask you, because if you're talking to the officials, and I understand this, that coaches are always going to meet with officials before the games and things to look for. They're going to tell them, well, we might run this trick play here, so be on the lookout for that. But if you are starting to see, like, this trend where – he may be getting called for holding penalties that aren't there. Is there something that a coach can tell a crew saying, okay, we had this flagged on him twice, but watch him this, and you tell me if you think that is holding Well, you know, I can't show it to him on video before the game, but I am definitely going to talk to this group of officials, the fact that he's gotten these uh, penalties, and you go back and watch, and, and he's just basically manhandling the, the cornerback instead of holding him. You know, so you, you don't throw a helmet penalty on him. He's just basically out physicaling the guy. Okay, and then secondly, who's going to be joining us here in just a few moments is uh, Hawk Daniels, 145 yards on the ground, season high for him. One of his better performances in his career in his two years as a starting running back. Ran with a lot of purpose, ran with a lot of fire. What did you, th what did you see out of him? Uh, we're really happy the way he played. You know, those are the things that we expect out of Hawk, you know. Uh, we moved him to receiver at the beginning of the year because our best personnel package was with him and Ray both in the game at the same time, so, and we couldn't have them both in the backfield. And Hawk has the athletic ability to go out and play receiver and play running back, so that's what we've been doing with him. But, you know, with Ray out, he's had to come back to basically where we had him last year. Come and, on. And, and basically, you know, he, he didn't miss a beat. He showed exactly what we saw out of him last year. You know that he's a very capable running back and, and can, can take over a game. And the vision that I saw from him on a couple of runs where he saw it where maybe something wasn't there uh, up front, but then he could bounce it to the outside and take yeah. it outside the number. Yeah, he has the speed to bounce it outside. You know, if, if they clog up the middle and he has an edge, he can get around a defensive end. He has uh, the ability to go hurt people. Okay, so let's just talk about this in, in terms of I know there were some frustrations for you you know, with a couple of missed field goals when you had a couple, you know, I know there was the holding penalty that we were just talking about, obviously, with Caden, but in terms of just the red zone, I know you're frustrated because you had a couple of missed field goals there. You did have a touchdown that was called back on, on from Hawk on that, but what do you see from this red zone offense that's a concern or maybe not so much a concern that just something needs to be tweaked? No, we just got to make sure that we're executing. We, we don't get a false start. We don't get a holding penalty when we're down in the red zone because when we get those, then they're starting to become hard to overcome. You know, we left a lot of points out on, on the field. Uh, we left a lot of points out on the field when we played Denton Ryan. We left points on the field against uh, Brewer and then last week. And we got to overcome those things, and we got to make sure that we're, when we get down in the red zone, we're putting points on the board. How do you stress that with your team this week and things like that? Well, we, we work a red zone period, and when we work that red zone period, you know, I was on their tails. I said, you guys got to finish, and it's towards the end of practice, mm -hmm. which is when they're tired. You know, and a lot of times when you get down the red zone, it's towards the end of a drive, and you may have been out there for 10, you know, or 12 plays, mm -hmm. and you got to go finish. You got to suck up, and you got to get going, and you got to make sure that you're going to get the ball in the end zone. And I'm, I'm wondering, too, because obviously, if you're hoping to make the deep playoff run that we've seen over the years, nothing's guaranteed, of course, but 
these are those 20 yards, which are always going to be the toughest to get, but those are going to matter because you're going to be seeing better competition week after week. Oh, yeah, it, it's, it definitely matters. You know, that's where games are won and lost a lot of times is down there in that red zone because if you can't put points on the board, you're not going to win. All right, let's also talk about the fact that District 3-5A, with an outstanding performance against District 4-5A, went 3-1, and one, probably the most... Well, really, two other impressive performances was Justin Northwest beating Midlothian. And then the way I was surprised, I wasn't shocked, but surprised at the way Denton Ryan handled Lake Belton. And, of course, the other game was, of course, uh, Burleson Centennial only losing by three to Red Oak, their district champion. Yeah, you know, Denton Ryan's playing really well right now. You know, they, they found their offense with their, you know, moving number two to quarterback, Braden Musick. And, you know, then their defense is, has just gotten steadily better all throughout the season. You know, so they're playing really well right now. So that wasn't really a, a surprise to me. Uh, I thought uh, Centennial was going to have a chance going into the game just because that, you know, flex bone triple option is, is a difficult thing to, to defend. And, you know, Red Oak had a really good defense, or they do have a really good defense. But, you know, Centennial had a chance. They were up on them at half. Man, I thought we were about to, you know, when I looked at the halftime scores, I thought we were about to sweep them, and I was kind of excited about that. Yeah, I mean, it, but it speaks well to the depth of this district, too. I mean, I think both of these districts came into, if you will, top-heavy. Top four teams were really good, and then the bottom half of the, t of the district, maybe not as much. But I think, you know, you can't ask for more than that the way this district showed itself. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm happy for our district. You know, uh, you get to know all the guys, the coaches in the district by playing them. And, and normally you're there close to you, so you see them at track meets and so forth. You know, so, you know, you kind of get a bond with those guys, and you're happy for them when they're successful. All right, let's turn it over to the uh, Cooper Pirates this week. They're coming off a very dominant 67 to 7 by district thumping of el paso parkland a deja vu meeting because we saw these guys last year out in sweetwater which you all won 45 21 now we're going to be up at wichita falls at memorial stadium a game you can hear on hank event pregame show is at seven o'clock the kickoff is at 7 30 but you know when you look at these pirates here they they can score they have scored 469 points this year so what's the challenge for them offensively you know they're a lot better offensively than what they were last year you know but they do a really good job they uh they had a few new little wrinkles for us last year uh the option stuff that they're running right now uh that's getting them a lot of big chunk yardage plays you know was the first time they ever ran it was against us last year and and so you know we're able we know that stuff now okay so we're able to to defend it a little bit better this year hopefully uh, because of the fact that we're able to work on it during practice, not have to adjust on the fly. But, you know, they're, they're an extremely talented group on offense. They, uh, I, I don't know where some of the guys were that they have this year, you know, were last year, but they didn't have as talented a guys out there last year, you know, in some of their spots, uh, especially out at receiver. Uh, but the big thing about them is they have a big offensive line, mm -hmm. okay, and they're physical and they're well coached. Their offensive line coach, uh, at one time was the offensive line coach for te Texas Tech, I believe when Kingsbury uh, was at Texas Tech. Uh, he was their offensive line coach. And for whatever reason, he wanted to stay in Lubbock and, and took a job at uh, Lubbock Cooper and has been their offensive line coach for the last several years and does a really good job. So, you know, they're a well-coached uh, offensive group, well-coached defensively, you know, uh, all around. Chip Darden, their head coach, they're 8-3 and three this year coming into this game. And they have another sophomore quarterback that you're going to face like you saw last week at Ty Wade with uh, Shoemaker, Ryan Rodriguez. Um, you know, when you're putting together these scouting reports on guys you haven't seen before, what's kind of the feedback you're getting about 
how he operates this multiple spread offense. You know, he does a really good job of, of, of running it. You know, he does a good job with the option, making the correct reads and, and so forth. You know, uh, we don't know just a whole lot about him. We can't find him uh, anywhere where we can find a height and a weight on him because they don't put their height and weight on their roster. You know, so, you know, he's a good football player. All right, so let's talk about their running game, too, because uh, uh, Jackson Austin, who was in this game last year, was their leading rusher last year. He's also returned. They also have a move-in from Lubbock Monterey by the name of uh, Jaden Hibbler. The challenges of what this running game is going to present. I mean, they've got – I mean, those are their main two running backs, so they've got other guys that can get in the game and run the football as well. You know, but they have a very good uh, rush attack, and that's, you know, kind of like us. I mean, I told the kids today that – they're kind of the Alito of the Lubbock area. You know, they, they play really good, sound defense. They have big, strong, physical offensive linemen, and they focus on the run game. And then they use the run game to set up the pass game. So they're real similar to us in, in that aspect. You know, but, you know, we've just been able to overcome them the two times that we've been able to play them. All right. Uh, eight new starters on defense for them. They're going to flip-flop between a four-two-five and a 3-4 look. Uh, one of their leaders, their linebacker Chris Carrillo, is out for the year with an ACL tear. But they got a new, they got a couple move-ins. They got a nose guard that moved in from California, then a cornerback that moved in from Iowa. In terms of just this defense, and the other thing about this defense, kind of like with Shoemaker, they create a lot of turnovers, and so things that you're going to have to pay attention to with them on their when they have when they're on defense. Yeah, and, and they like I was talking about with Ryan earlier, they've gotten a lot better throughout the year. You know, they're they're playing really good uh, football right now. Uh, didn't give up much last week. They've uh, given up some points in some other games, you know, but they've been really good football teams that they've given those points up against. But it's a really good defense, and they mix it up well. They slant their front quite a bit, you know, so they, they try to create, you know, problems for you up front just by movement and stunts. All right. Well, should be a lot of fun on to round two. It's never good. It gets more and more challenging as you as you've well known over the years, and so. But it's a challenge that your program has accepted year after year. Yeah, it, it gets tougher and tougher week by week, you know, and we expect that. You know, we're going to see good good quality opponents all throughout the playoffs. There was there's no give me playoff games this year. You know, sometimes you get that first round opponent that's a fourth place, maybe out of the Fort Worth district or the Dallas district that's not as tough. You know, but we're we're seeing you know quality football you know each and every game. Maybe it serves you all to a better purpose because it like you can't you mentally have to be engaged and so you can't kind of be disengaged in that opener and then kind of switch it on for the second round perhaps shoemaker has done you a favor last year maybe and what you hope will be for this year right you know and, and that's what we expect in the playoffs you don't you don't expect for anybody to be you know a team that you're going to beat 70 something or nothing you know no. but uh you know it, it's, it was good for us you know to go out play a good quality opponent the first round, and now let's go learn from mistakes that we made, and let's get better. All right, we'll see you on the Red River on Friday. All right, thank you. All right, Coach, thanks for joining us here. Again, the Bearcats taking on the Lubbock Cooper Pirates this coming Friday at Memorial Stadium in Wichita Falls. Pre-game show on Hank FM is at 7 o'clock. The kickoff is at 7.30, so tell all your friends to tune in for that game if they can't make the drive up on 287 for that one. On the second segment, we're going to be joined by... Uh, Hawk Daniels and Avon Lawrence, both seniors, both heavily contributing to this run for the Bearcats. Stick around. Our Coaches Show podcast is coming right back here on Hank FM. Pistol formation. The give is over the left side. Running room at the five. Hawk Daniels, does he get into the end zone? He does. Touchdown, Alito Bearcats. Second segment of the Alito Coaches Show podcast with you, and we're happy that you're here at Jake's joining us. And again, don't forget to download this podcast wherever you find your podcast, or you can go to 
92.1 Hank FM's website to do that. Just a reminder that our podcast is being brought to you by H5 Sports Barn and Knife Physio. H5 Sports Barn and Knife Physio and performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Always do this second segment before we begin with our guests with our Alito alumni report. Just one to tell you about, and that's former offensive lineman Chuck Filiaga, who graduated from the University of Minnesota earlier this spring. He was actually started his collegiate career at the University of Michigan. He did have a couple of practice squad opportunities in the NFL between Green Bay and New Orleans, hoping to get his next opportunity. Okay. We will now turn it over to these two seniors. To my immediately immediate left is defensive back Avon Lawrence, and to my far left is Hawk Daniels. Guys, nice to have you with us. Yes, sir. Thank you, yes, sir. All Thank right, you. so let's talk a little bit about, you know, just in this performance. Hawk, I want to start with you because you were the primary running back for this team last year. Had over 1,400 yards rushing, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And so this year, with the... Uh, emergence of Ray Guillory, they wanted to bring you out to the slot and they wanted to take advantage of your ability out on the perimeter as a receiver and also a part-time runner. When they talked to you about that, what kind of thoughts went through your mind and the opportunity it presented for you? Uh, Nothing really. It's just Coach Jones trying to show my talent, move me around, move everybody else around and get them in the right position so we can succeed as a team. And for you, was it as easy as a transition as you thought it was going to be, or what was the greatest thing that you needed to work on so you could transition into it as smooth as you could? Um, it, was, it, was, it was easy because I know I can do it, and I know he trusts me to do what I have to do. So it was, it was, yeah, it was really easy to be. Okay, and then, Avon, for you, I mean, I think if you were anywhere else, you'd probably be starting for a lot of secondaries, but you play alongside two really good defensive backs in Chris Johnson and Jaden Allen. But I would imagine, but you, you play a lot this year. They've used you a lot in, in a lot of three-corner situations or just multiple defensive backs. What's it been like for you this year, just your growth as a player? I mean, it's helped a little having them in front of us. It gives me somebody to try to work off of, try to get to their standard, standard maybe. And, I mean, like, when he has us all three in together, I mean, it's all our talents together. It's just a lot. It's good. Okay, so I'm going to ask, I'm going to take you guys back to Thursday night against Shoemaker and that wild beginning. So there's, like, multiple turnovers that you guys are, you guys are fumbling the football a few times out there. And then it's, it's crazy to hang on to that. And I'm going to get to you guys making the stops here in a second. But, but what's the feeling on the sideline here with the two early turnovers, Hawk, and how you guys are trying to just fight through that early stress? Uh, we came in the game thought that we was going to, like, start off good, but we blamed it on the weather and our sleeves, and we came out on the field, and we were talking about it. We, they had everybody cut off our sleeves, and we was just frustrated. But we, our coach just told us to keep going, and then we went back on the field, and another turnover, and then another turnover, but we just kept our heads up. Is that – I mean, and I'm sure you're thinking, too, that if Shoemaker scores on one of these, then it really makes it more difficult than – and obviously your defense stands up for you, but I mean, just what kind of goes through your mind in saying we've just given them the ball with half the field or maybe less than half the field to try and score? What's, what goes through your mind in something like that? Uh, nothing really, because I really have, well, we have trust on our defense and we have faith in them to stop the offense from scoring and they've just given us a second chance and another chance to try again. Okay, so let's, t- so let's take it over to you, Avon, with this defensive unit because on the first turnover, which was at... The uh, Shoemaker 46, you guys hold them to a three and out. Then a couple plays later, you got to get back on the field, and so they're dealing at about your 36-yard line. And then Chris comes up with the big, the big interception there that returns it to the 35-yard line. 
What's the defensive mindset and what's the mentality there about trying to pick up these guys after these early struggles on their side? I mean, we went in after they got that. I mean, going back out there, I, we knew we had trust in ourselves. I mean, we knew what we could do when we were out there on the field. And I mean, we just went out there and showed it. As far as facing their skill guys, what was the challenge that they presented as you were leading up to this, that game that you felt like you all had to kind of lock down on? In practice, we were mostly working on because they like to move around a lot and do a lot of motioning and stuff. So we worked on that mostly to get that done so we wouldn't be all confused out there. And it showed in the game that we knew what we were doing. Yeah, I mean, you guys held them to 143 yards total offense in this game, as I mentioned a few moments ago. They averaged over 500 yards a game uh, in their 10 district games. What does that mean to you when you hold a team to that few of yards where they've been averaging so many? I mean, it just shows that our defense is the real deal pretty much. I mean, that's about it. <laughs> okay, the real deal, too, was Hawk as you rushed for a season-high 145. I can't remember if you had a bigger game last year, but, I mean, you've had, you had some really solid performances last year. But 145 for you coming at a time when Ray was not available. So what was your mindset knowing that you were going to get the bulk load of the carries in the running game? Uh, basically, just going in there and doing what I basically could do. I did it last year, so it really wasn't nothing new. And I just had to put faith in my O-line because I know they're going to help me get through every hole and every yard. Yeah, and you've known these guys, and so you've, you know how, the, how they block and how their tendencies and that sort of thing. What's that relationship been like with them, and what did that mean to you to know them like you did going into uh, Thursday's game? Well, it meant a lot because I know they still, even though I'm at wide receiver, and then when I trans, when I, damn, <laughs> when I go back to running back and they still blocking for me knowing that we still have Ray back there and me going back there and they still blocking for me, even though that I'm at wide receiver, it's just like they still have love for me, even though I'm still at, <laughs> even though I'm still at wide receiver. Yeah, I got you on that. So for you, I mean, was there more satisfaction with that performance? I mean, there's always the satisfaction of winning ultimately the state championship game last year. But was there some more personal satisfaction because of the way that you ran and how hard you ran and how well you were able to just take on would-be tacklers, that sort of thing? Uh, it's personal because... Yeah, it's personal to me because, you know, my mom has breast cancer. So I'm, every game when I'm running, I do it for her. Every yard and, you know, everything I do is, is for her. Okay, so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. And then just, you know, you dealing with that and running for her. What's the emotions that you feel? And how do you try and control those emotions? Because you know you want to do well for her. She's in her big fight on her own. But what's that been like for you to kind of go through that with her and then perform like you want to perform for her? I mean, you know it's hard. But I know that she want me to calm down, not to think about it a lot, because if I think about it a lot, I'm going to get out of my game. So I just listen to her and say, when she tells me to calm down, I just calm down, I play my game. When you, you know, for teammates like you, Avon, when you see a player who's going through a personal family situation like Hawk is, what kind of support network can you guys provide for him? I mean, for Hawk, he always knows that we got his back no matter what the situation is, whatever it is. And that being his situation, mom having Brands Kessler, we know that's a tough subject that he has to deal with, but we know that. But we need Hawk in games to go come through. And so for you guys this week, as we transition to this week, uh, facing Lovett Cooper, challenge on both sides of the ball. They're eight, you know, the record notwithstanding, but I mean, they can score. And defensively, they can force a lot of turnovers. So I'm going to start with you, Avon, about them on offense. Again, they've scored nearly about 45 points per game. What's the challenge that you see on them from, on film as you were breaking them down? Uh, watching film, we've seen that they got a couple new uh, players, such a new running back, a couple new receivers and stuff. But, I mean, we're just going to go into the game with the same mindset to play our best defense, put our best foot forward, and see how it comes out. 
Okay, then for you, Hawk, I mean, now it sounds like this week with Ray possibly coming back this week, there you'll still get the bulk of the carries. You might get a carry here and there. But what's going to be important for you? Because they've got a big nose guard that moved in from California. And, of course, they're a team that can force a lot of turnovers. So what's going to be the key for you guys on offense? Uh, basically just going out like we did our first game against Paris, coming out as a team plan. But at the end of the day, it, we both, both teams have athletes, but it's going to have to come down who really want it. And as far as, you know, and again, we talk so much about starts. Do you think that it's something like you know, if you score first, it, it'll give you an emotional edge, or if they score first, you've got to keep your edge? How do you view something like that? Well, whoever scores first, we still got to keep our heads up because, you know, we can still go back on offense and try to go score too. But either way it go, whoever scores, we can still just keep our heads up and just keep going. All right, and then for you, Evan, how do you view like a start on the start in all these playoff games? Because there's always that emotional charge in the initial part of the game before it kind of settles in. I feel like either way, no matter who scores first, uh, however the game starts off, I mean, I feel like we're going to still be able to keep our composure and be able to play good pretty much. Okay. Okay, so guys, I'm, I want to ask you a little bit about your recruiting situations as we wrap things up here. And of course, Hawk, you were at one point uh, committed to Arnick Incarnate Word, and you've since reopened. So just kind of tell everyone what you're looking at right now, the decision to reopen, and then what you're hoping to accomplish as this recruiting period gets toward either the early signing period in December or maybe the late signing period in February. Uh, hopefully the early signing, but I'm just waiting until like the end of the season to see if I have some more offers coming in, like bigger than my ones I already have. But right now, I'm, I'm looking at TJC. I went down there, you know, I, I like the coaches, and they just showing me love. So I'm really considering TJC right now. Is that Tyler Junior College? Yes, sir. Okay, so out in East Texas then. Okay, then for Avon, what about you? And what, what are you looking at, too, in terms of schools and showing interest, that, things like that? Oh, uh, Right now, I have five offers. So, I mean, like, it's a good start. So I'm trying to see what, towards the end of the year, if I'll get any more interest or any more offers going, like, out of at the end of the season, pretty much. Okay, so where are those offers? Which schools have offered you? Uh, right now I have OBU, I have ECU, I have uh, Colorado Mesa, and Colorado Pueblo. Okay. And then there's one more. Is Okay, and then I th the o for those who don't know, I think OBU is... Oh, o McMurray. Oh, McMurray, McMurray okay, out, in, out in, uh, in Abilene. And OBU, I think that's Oklahoma Baptist, and then ECU is East Central Oklahoma and... and uh, in, in Ada, I think it is. Yes, sir, it is. Oh, okay, gotcha. These are great opportunities for you guys, though. I mean, for, to have the What will it mean for you, regardless of where it is, and whenever you make your decision, when you're comfortable with that decision, what will it mean for you, though, to be able to play at that next level? Hawk, I'll start with you. Um, well, really just going in there working and trying to, like, trying to learn from other people that's already been there, learn from their game, to put it in my game. I hope you just go down there and start and do what I do and get out. Okay, and then for you, Evan? Uh, to be honest, it's, I'm just happy. I wanted to do it so my parents wouldn't have to get any of, like, have to pay for college in general. That was the main thing on my bucket list. And then when I get down there, I'm just trying to learn from other people who are more experienced than me. I mean, like, just learning new stuff from them so I could put it into my game. And then uh, you guys will be introduced pretty quickly to the new strength and conditioning program. It's going to be a different, different animal for sure. Uh, guys, one last thought about this game coming up against Cooper. Even though this program has, has experienced so much success over the years, do you still get excited? Do you still get nervous about a playoff game, even though you've been through this? What's it like leading up to it and then the game itself? Hawk, I'll start with you. Oh, uh, yeah, it's nervous going in because you never know if you're going to win or lose. So it's, it's a tough game, and then you go 
one game at a time, one time. It, it, it gets harder. Some of them might be easy, but it's most definitely nervous going into a playoff game. And then for you, Haven. Yes, sir. It is nervous picking it back and off of Hawk. I mean, you'll never know if this is going to be our last senior game going out there. So, I mean, like, you got to put everything out there. All right. Guys, I really appreciate your joining us. Okay, so this is Avon Lawrence to my immediate left, and then to my far left is Hawk Daniels. They will be an instrumental part of the Bearcats taking on the Love of Cooper Pirates this coming Friday. 7.30 is the kickoff. 7 o'clock is the pregame show on Hank FM. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thank you. One. Third segment coming up is going to be the basketball coaches. That'll be the girls coach, Nikki Hiles, and the boys coach, J.D. Robinson. We'll be right back. And we're back here for the third segment of the Alito Coaches Show podcast. This reminder that this podcast is being brought to you by H5 Sports Barn and I Physio. H5 Sports Barn and I Physio and performance can help unlock your athletic potential and elevate your game like the Alito Bearcats with expert sports physical therapy, tailored recovery plans, and top-notch sports performance training. H5 Sports Barn, proud supporters of the Alito Bearcats. Okay, basketball hour, if you will, as we're being joined by head girls basketball coach Nikki Hiles and head boys basketball coach J.D. Robinson. Welcome. Good to see you both. Thank you. All Thank right. You so much. All right. So just real quickly, they are so in early into their seasons. Uh, coach Hiles' team has only played three games, one and two, but picking up a win that, that came the other day. They beat Crum 51-46 on Saturday. And then Coach Robinson's team just opened the season on Saturday with a 73-60 victory over Joshua. Okay, so Nikki, let's start with you, with your team. Made the playoffs last year. and uh, But just... What are your early impressions of your squad and as you have a long non-district season to go before you guys even hit district play in January? Well, right now I feel like we're just starting to gel. We just ended up picking up our volleyball players and a band girl. And so <laughs> we, we, we've, uh, we're growing a little bit right now and still starting to gel together because we've only had the volleyball players since Wednesday. And we had a game on Wednesday, one practice. So we've only had two practices with everybody. So we're still trying to put everything together, but it, I'm really excited about the season we've got a, a bunch of great young kids plus we got some leaderships coming back so we're really excited 51 46 win uh over crumb on saturday what'd you see that you liked uh what i liked there was a lot of grit we are actually were down seven at halftime and so to come back and win by five was great to see put it away uh, with free throws in the fourth quarter or uh, just made some plays or how really was it? just got gritty and just handled the ball better got really um offensive minded went to the basket well uh and then defense we we got a little bit down and dirty on the defense end so it was better all right and then jd yeah. for you guys uh opening up with the uh, double digit win over at joshua uh what'd you see from your team in that opener uh really we, we played played pretty well defensively early on um it was good to see some of these young guys that haven't been on the floor and had much varsity experience. We don't have a lot of guys coming back uh, within Jackson Todd and, and Jack Sawyer, the, the only real guys that played significant minutes last, last year for us. And so uh, uh, getting some of these other guys, getting their feet wet and getting in the middle of it, and uh, it's been good to see those guys get better. It's kind of a baptism by fire, isn't it, when you get into these early games when you have like, – yeah, because I remember doing the PA for a couple of your games, and I can remember seeing – Jackson and Jack, and, and I'm looking at all these other names here, and I'm like, I don't know him, and I don't know him, and I don't know him. I know to Owen Henderson, because he plays on the football team, but that's about it. So when you're mixing, and coaches do this all the time when they got it, when they have complete turnovers in their roster. So what is the key in those, when you guys get going with practice in late October, you know, you got your 
you got your class periods, of course, when the school year starts. But what's the key when you're trying to blend all those new faces together? You no, know, really, it starts early on in the spring. You know, as soon as those guys, as soon as we get done um, in February, I mean, we're we're rolling and. Uh, we play pretty much year-round. Uh, we're going and playing in spring leagues, playing in shootouts. Uh, use that hour outside of our athletic period to, to, to lift and, and spend a lot of time with these guys. And so these guys have been training, you know, all spring and all summer long and during the preseason. And so they, they spend a lot of time together. But there's nothing like, you know, playing in, in, a, in a game situation rather than playing in a shootout or, or a league. So uh, uh, the experience isn't the same. Yeah, I was going to say playing someone like Joshua, and then you guys are going to be opening up the season. Uh, at home tomorrow uh, night against uh, Saginaw Chisholm Trail. That's going to be a 7.30 start. But when you're playing those types of teams, it's different than what you do in the spring because there's that mentality of saying, doesn't really count, we're just developing, that sort of thing. This time, it really does count. And there's that different mentality that you got to build them toward, I would suspect. Absolutely. And you're dealing with, you know, people with dealing with scouting reports and, you know, uh, you go out there in a fall league game, summer league game. Uh, you just go out there and play. You know, you're trying to establish your culture and trying to see what your team looks like. Uh, like tomorrow night, we're going to have our hands full, which is in trail. You know, they they beat the number three team in the state in 5A Mansfield Summit on Friday night and uh, beat them by one. And so uh, it's going to be a really good early test. I'm really excited about it for our guys and uh, see how we respond. All right, and then Nikki, for you, same question like I just asked JD in terms of just all that what you do in the spring league when it's kind of like you're just working and building culture and yeah if you win these spring league games great but if you don't it's not like earth shattering but then that's when but when you actually put on the uniform and it starts to count it's a different mentality what's that been like for you like when you build your team every year yeah similar i mean we do a lot of the same things and how we're getting ready and prepare all spring all summer in the fall it's hard because again we don't have everybody all together so right now is the hard part is trying to put it all together um, you know, I try to get a schedule that's pretty tough right now, uh, and so we're playing a lot of ranked teams, and we're, you know, the last two games that we've had were ranked teams, and so we're trying to really challenge them now so that the time we get the district, we, we're all understanding where everybody is and how to play together and really build that camaraderie and culture, like Coach said. All right, so let's have you both brag on your teams. Nikki, I'm going to start with you about a couple of your – you know, two or three, maybe four of your standout players that who, who you think you're going to be relying on quite a bit this year? Well, we have um, five returning players from last year, three, three um, that are probably big difference makers, I would say. Uh, Kenley Elms uh, has got size inside, but she's very athletic, can get to the basket, got a nice soft touch, so she's great around the rim. Um, Ella Isbell also coming out of volleyball. She's got a little bit of size, but she can play facing the basket, which is nice. Um, Caroline Browning, who's a senior, uh, is, is a guard. She's pretty gritty on defense, and she's really worked uh, well with her basketball IQ and doing a really good job of setting that up. Uh, Natalie Anderson's coming back from last year. Uh, just smart player, really, really smart player. Good shot, uh, feeds the post well, understands a game, which is nice. Uh, and then we have some good young players coming up. We've got a couple freshmen that are on varsity. Uh, and, of course, we got Liz Griffin. Can't forget about her. Right. She's a point guard that came in at the end of last season and really made a difference in how we handled the ball and handled pressure. Uh, and so she's doing a great job uh, being our point guard starting off this year. All right, Nikki. And then uh, as far as you're concerned, J.D., of course, we just mentioned a moment ago where you only had Jackson Todd and Jack Sawyer 
coming back, but who are some of the players besides those two that you feel like you're going to be leaning on throughout the course of this season? Yes, sir. So Owen, Owen Peterson uh, played for us last year. Uh, didn't play a lot of minutes in the varsity, but uh, this year uh, had 19 in the, in the opener. Uh, shot the ball really well. Uh, Owen can get hot in a hurry. Uh, I like calling him microwave, man. He's, he can get going pretty quick. And so uh, once we – he's doing a really good job of settling in and then not turning the ball over. Um, Joaquin Pacheco is a junior that played on JV last year as a sophomore um, and just a spark plug. I mean, he's got a high motor. Um, you know, he's, he's going to play – yeah, I got to find the I got to find the medium uh, where the fine line is and coaching him and turning him loose a little bit because he can really make some things happen and and, uh, and reining him back in. But uh, man, he he has such a high motor. He, he does a really good job. Caden Lowball, uh, big presence for us uh, on the glass and, and stretch four for us. And so all three of those guys are going to be really important to our success. And uh, Caden Cunningham uh, is a freshman this year, and so we've been. I've been waiting on Caden for a while. We've been excited to have him in the program. Uh, he came out and had nine points in the opener the other night in his first varsity game, mm. six for six from the free throw line, uh, one for one from three, and, and took a charge and uh, never turned the ball over. So there's things that you don't see necessarily out of freshmen, not turning the ball over. and. Uh, so we're excited about him and his IQ, IQ and, and how well he can shoot the ball. Now, if you could bottle that throughout the course of the season, then you'd take that, wouldn't you? Absolutely. <laughs> Every night. Now, Every both night. of you Now, both of you all, or both of your teams, got some size in there. In fact, J.D., in comparison, if you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but this roster looks bigger than what you had last year, so that you probably have more... You know, you could run double post offense if you wanted yes, to. Yes, sir, and that's what we're doing. Uh, we've, we've changed the dynamic of our offense completely. Last year, spread the floor as much as we can and give those guys space and let them create for each other. Uh, this year, we're making sure Jack Sawyer touches the ball every possession down the floor. Um, and and we've, we are, we're trying to get a post touch, um, play inside out, and have those guards stretch, you know, around him. And so uh, Jack has a very high IQ. His footwork's gotten a lot better. Uh, he's become stronger, more physical, uh, more explosive. And so uh, we're really trying to throw the ball into him and, and play around him. And then for Nikki, I mean, I, as you mentioned with uh, Kenley Elms, and of course, you know, Ella's 5'11", the yep. Kenley 6'1", kind of the same approach, I would presume, or how do you see that? Oh, definitely. They're, they they both are, Ella especially can kind of play inside and out. Um, Kenley's, Kenley's strength is definitely uh, in the paint, but she, she does a great job when she squares up and sees the basket. She, she'll find the open guard as well, like I said, to get, get, get a lot of inside-out play, which is nice. Um, Britta Clock, who's a, a sophomore that is now playing varsity, also has uh, some length, which is nice. And I was going to say, too, with these, these non-district schedules that you all play, it's unlike college basketball where you absolutely have to uh, have a great record if you're going to get into posting. You can get your nose as bloodied as you want to throughout November and December before you hit district play. So just... Now, with you all having three tournaments, and then, Nikki, you're going to be in the Brock tournament this coming weekend, and then you also have the uh, Burleson tournament coming up, and then you also have the Wimberley Hoop Fest over the uh, Christmas, New Year's break. What do you want to get out of those tournaments? Just a lot of experience. Um, we're, everybody that we're playing right now is going to be a, a tough game for us. And I set it up that way so that we could get as much uh, challenge early um, like I said earlier, we're playing a lot of uh, ranked teams. You know, two of the three teams we've played so far have been ranked. Tomorrow we play Tenaha. They're number five in 2A. Uh, we're going to see ranked teams in each of the tournaments that we're in. Uh, so, you know, anything that we can to develop our kids and, and, and be challenged early, 
to get us ready for district because, you know, we've got Brewer in our district who's a ranked team, and so right. we got to get ready to play with them. All right. And I remember they won that district last year, but like several games, if memory serves. Yes, sir. Uh, okay. And then uh, for you, J.D., uh, of course, you, you mentioned the uh, challenge you're going to have uh, Tuesday night against Saginaw Chisholm Trail. Your tournament situation looks like this. Uh, you're going to be at the uh, Abilene tur or yeah, the Abilene tournament uh, over at the thing, uh, November 30th through the 2nd. Then you have your uh, Moritz Chrysler uh, tournament uh, here December 7th through the 9th. And then the uh, Bridgeport tournament, you're going to be going over to the... Uh, the uh, Christmas New Year's break. So for you, just what do you want to get out of these tournaments in addition to these other non-district games? Yeah, just get get a lot of work. You know, we're, we're trying to get these guys as many minutes as they can. Uh, we're pretty minimal right now. We've got, we're got we dealing with some injuries. We had a starter go down with an ACL, Luke Slavicorn, last Tuesday in the oh, scrimmage. Oh, no, yeah. Uh, and then we had a broken hand with a, our backup big uh, that just moved in, a sophomore kid, um, Townsbound housing. So uh, we're just trying to get these kids as many reps as we can early on and uh, just trying to establish some chemistry and some camaraderie between them. Um, I know on that Bridgeport tournament that we go to after Christmas break, we're going to go watch the Bearcats win another state title. And then, uh, <laughs> we're going to hopefully get Boogie Owens and Caden Finley out there on the basketball court and uh, be excited to get those guys as many reps as we can as soon as we get them after that Saginaw game. So. Absolutely. Uh, so let's talk about the district, uh, district race where, uh, you know, what you all see in this because it's a tight window i mean you've got about what 12 games if i'm doing my math correctly here with your two with your two buys mixed in but it gets going on january 5th for for you jd at brewer and then you finish on february 13th at northwest and then nikki i think you have the you have the one or two games in december and then you and then then you come back and you'll finish it just how do you see in the girls race what besides brewer what's that race going to be like I think, uh, you know, last year it was kind of give or take. We had a bunch of teams that anybody could win in any given night. Um, and so I feel like this year, I feel like we're in a good situation uh, just with what we've got coming back and the youth that we have, the, you know, the talent level that we have right now. I think we're going to be really competitive. Um, I feel like uh, Granberry's always competitive. They've got a great coach down there. Right. Uh, Northwest also very competitive. Um, so I feel like I, I feel like we'll be in the top three for sure, uh, just because of how how well we're developing so far. I'm really excited about what we're going. We've and, got going on right now. And JD, I think this district owes you from what happened last year. I've never seen a coach whose team was involved with seven games divided by three or two points. I've never seen that before. And I think you only won one of them. And I'm like, this is where you need to get that where they owe you for this. I, yeah, that, I mean, that's how that's how close the line was, though, in this district. That might be bad coaching on my part. Right? <laughs> Not <laughs> so. Yeah, no, we, we had six games where we, you know, we had the ball in the last possession. And, uh, you know, of course, we don't forget that. And I don't forget that as a coach. You know, I got to do a better job of putting our guys in better positions to uh, win games down the stretch. And uh we're going to do that this year. I'm, I'm excited about this group. Uh, there's no egos in our gym. They come in and go to work every day. And, uh, it's a good group of guys. So we're, we're excited to, to get going. But uh, Granberry's got five starters back. They're going to be really tough. Uh, Brewer, we know exactly what they'll be. They'll be really athletic, play really hard defensively, and uh, be hard to score on. And uh, Northwest got a good move in that just moved in. Uh, it's going to be really competitive. It's going to be tough for us every night. And uh, We'll be up for the challenge. We'll be ready to roll. I was going to say, if it was easy, everybody would do it, right? Yes, sir. That's I'm right. <laughs> all right. So, again, you all, for Nikki, your team, if I'm looking at the uh, calendar correctly, tomorrow night, or I'm sorry, uh, tomorrow night against Tenaha, that's going to be at home. It's a 630 start. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, Brock tournament Thursday through Saturday. How many games do you think you're going to get in Brock? We'll get five games in Brock. Okay. Yeah. And then for J.D., uh, you all will be uh, taking on Saginaw Chisholm Trail. That's a 730 start. Then the uh, Parker County 
battle uh, over at Weatherford that, at 7.30. That's always fun when, when the uh, Parker County, nothing to, not to take anything away from the other Parker County schools, but it's always kind of fun when Alito and Weatherford get together. It's yes, good sir. that that series continues, too. Absolutely. All, All right. right. Well, coaches, thank you very much for your time. Uh, we're looking forward to tracking you throughout the course of the season, and uh, good luck to you guys the rest of the way. Thanks so much. Uh, Thanks for uh, having all right. us. All right, Nikki Hiles is the girls' basketball coach. J.D. Robinson is the boys' basketball coach. We want to thank you here for joining us here at Jake's on 1187 here in Alito. Don't forget the Bearcats will be taking on the Lubbock Cooper Pirates this coming Friday at Memorial Stadium in Wichita Falls. That'll be a 7 o'clock start on Hank FM with the pregame show. 7.30 is the kick with Kyle Hicks, Mercedes Meyer, and yours truly. I'm Kevin Lonquist. We'll talk to you all next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Alito Bearcats Coaches Show podcast, brought to you by H5 Sports Barn in Alito with Bearcats head coach Robbie Jones and the voice of the Bearcats, Kevin Lonquist. Please like and subscribe to this podcast and tell a friend. You're also welcome to join us in person every Monday night at 7 from the new Jake's Burgers, 601 FM, 1187 in Alito. And then listen to every Alito Bearcats game, home and away, live on 92. Hank FM on the free 92.1 Hank FM app or online at 921HankFM.com. The Alito Coaches Show podcast is a production of Real Country, Hank FM.